Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with the creators of a web framework called Fritz2. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi. Hi. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourselves? Okay. So my name is Jens Stegemann. I'm 24 years old, and uh, I come from Goslar in Germany. Um, I'm an IT graduate and have worked for a number of companies as in an architect role, Volkswagen, Telekom, Veolia, etc. And right now I'm working um, as an IT architect, head of IT architecture and data analytics for a local insurance company called Öffentliche Versicherung Braunschweig. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that was hard to pronounce. So uh, we keep it a local insurance company. Okay, Nobody yeah, yeah that, that's yeah, yeah, much better name. <laughs> and um, I'm currently working a lot of uh, a lot with Spring and Azure and Kubernetes and Scala, and started with Kotlin at the end of uh, 2019. Um, always felt covered um, using Scala so far, um, but finally tried it uh, over the Christmas break and uh, enjoyed it a lot. And yeah, that was the start of Fritz2. Yeah, and my name is Jan Weidenhaupt. I live and work in Brunswick, Germany, and uh, worked also for the same company as Jens. And I, uh, this year, in the beginning of this year, I uh, got my degree in computer science. And for me, Fritz Zwei is the first project I started uh, to work with Kotlin before I uh, worked also with Scala and Java, of course. And yeah, so uh, we have also built uh, some uh, web UI framework uh, based on Scala. And now we uh, built a new one uh, with Fritz Zwei and Kotlin. You say, what do you call it? Fritz what? Fritz two. Okay. Um, okay. So it is uh, Fritz. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm. I say it's a German word for for two. It's oh. Okay. Fine. I'm like, did, did was it Fritz Y and I said Fritz two. Okay. Right. Fine. Oh, cool. So um, uh, you've you've had quite a, a trajectory, I would say, and and it's funny that you mentioned Azure, um, as a as a Scala person, Java slash JVM slash Kotlin. Why? Why? Where did Azure enter the picture for you? Are you just because you were familiar with it from .NET or or what? No, I never did uh, .NET. To be honest, um, uh, as I talked, uh, as I as I told, um, I'm working for a local insurance company, and um, in Germany, um, a lot of uh, financial services companies uh, um, are on the way into the cloud, and uh, many chose Azure uh, for compliance reasons for for not too many technical reasons and so we use use azure and um for for nearly all our back uh backend projects right now and this is where it comes from and you run java on azure right yes yeah cool so tell tell us a little bit about fritz like why did fritz come up sorry fritz to, okay what happened to fritz one uh, there never was a Fritz one, so we. <laughs> it's it's always difficult to find a name for for this, and, and I'm not really good at it at all. So uh, I try to find a connection between uh, Germany and Brunswick and Saint Petersburg for Kotlin, and uh, Fritz is the German short form for Friedrich, uh, um, and uh, so this is Friedrich the second. Um, he has a lot of connections to Saint Petersburg, and and this is Fritz too. So this is not a version number, it's a name, uh, literally. 
we released uh, several pre-releases. So we are in 0.6 right now and we release 0.7 this week. Okay. I'm just saying that once you do Fritz 2 1.0, you're going to have an issue with Fritz 2 2.0. Just, uh, just yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> naming is hard. <laughs> but I like the historical references there. That, that's, that's well thought out. So why did Fritz 2 come about? We have a problem at our company already for for several years um we have uh, we are have quite a, a small IT staff we are about 80 developers maybe 20 UI developers uh, who are doing a lot of back end too and maybe five or six uh, front end developers uh, who do this regularly and so we were on the search for a way to unify all our front end development and uh, to to find a way to to make it quite easy for the backend developers doing a lot of Java, some a little Scala, uh, to get into it. And we started three years ago in 2017 um, to, to set this up with Scala and Scala.js and a small framework called Binding Scala and uh, started to, to put some, some additions uh, onto it uh, that made it easier to work with complex uh, data models and, um, yes, quite large uh, UIs with, a man, with many inputs and, and many dependencies. And uh, this was the first framework we started and were quite happy, uh, not too much, but quite happy with it and um, had uh, some problems uh, spreading Scala about our developers. Um, and uh, so we decided uh, to discuss this once again at the end uh, of 2019 and uh, from there, the approach uh, resulted that we should have a look at Kotlin. And as I earlier said, um, I, I tried it over the Christmas break, and this was my, my very first try with Kotlin and uh, started to have a look if this uh, would be possible to, to, to do something like we did in Scala in Kotlin. And uh, from the very first beginning, I found it very, very easy to start. and um, and. Then one step followed the other, and uh, we found out that it is possible to do so without any dependencies at all. So we just use uh, basic uh, Kotlin and Kotlinx coroutines, and that's it. And that's all we, we needed to, to set up uh, what we did with uh, about 50 dependencies in Scala before. And so we decided to, to go on. And uh, the website, of course, when you go to it, it's, uh, you know, it says easily building reactive web apps in pure Kotlin. Uh, so who who would you say is your competitor here? Oh, competitor is a, <laughs> it's a dangerous word. Um, of course, it is, uh, it is React. Um, uh, um, yes, React. Uh, a lot of other uh, front-end uh, frameworks, more front-end lips, uh, not so much a framework. Um, that uh, try to 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 do the same, and we uh, borrowed a lot of uh, the approaches from this binding Scala library I mentioned before. So we have a, a yeah a quite different setup uh, than React, um, but try to reach the same. We have a, a central data model and and uh, try to derive uh, the view from this, um, formulating the rules. Uh, use a lot of functional uh, programming and um, do it as descriptive as possible. And uh, then keep the view um, 
already um, always up to date uh, with your data model. So when you when you change something in your data, uh, the frameworks uh, does framework does the rest and updates your view accordingly. And so this is basically what React does, uh, and, and Vue has a uh, Vue.js has a mechanism to do so, and every other framework uh, too, of course. Yeah, and uh, this is obviously all just for people. In case there's any doubt, this is all uh, written in Kotlin and targeting Kotlin JS. Well, using Kotlin JS, correct? Yes. Yeah. And so, if someone is actually using the framework, they're basically writing Kotlin code. Yes, right? pure Kotlin. Pure Kotlin. So, how is the experience now? And we'll dive a little bit more into the framework itself and and how you can use it. But how's your experience generally been with Kotlin JS? And you got to be very honest here, like. Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> I try to be always. Um, it's great. Uh, it's uh, to make it short. Uh, as I said, um, I, I started uh, in late December and uh, feared a little what it would mean to to do this in Kotlin JS and run it in the browser and and wrote a few lines to emulate a browser for the first uh, for the first tries of the framework, and uh, soon. Um, realized that it is really, really easy to set up a project and took basically seconds to do so um, that runs in the browser and it integrates perfectly in IntelliJ IDEA, our uh, development environment, and it uses Gradle to, to build. So, so it's a familiar, familiar ecosystem to use and uh, this, this runs all um, very smoothly from the beginning and it's fast. It's incredibly fast. So. For people who have tried uh, some other languages transpiling to JavaScript, like for example Scala.js, uh, don't get me wrong, I still think Scala.js is a great achievement, but it's 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 uh, it's far far, and it takes far far more time to to compile and has uh, has much longer um, turnarounds when when you work with it uh, when you do a little um, change to your code and you have to recompile and see the result in the browser. Um, Kotlin JS feels like you do native JavaScript and not uh, like you have a transpiler between it and and, uh, and, and, and the whole build system. Talking and, about the build system, uh, is yeah. it? Do you feel it's natural for people that uh, are not have not having the same background as you folks in terms of JVM? Yes, Java and Scala. So for us, it's it's definitely a feature um, to to uh, stay in the world we know. We know like Gradle works, like the dependency management works, like the tasks work, um, and this all feels very familiar from the start. And the uh, the JavaScript ecosystem is uh, is quite different in in many ways, and it it always feels a little alien for a, a pure Java or Scala developer. And so um, Kotlin.js does a great job uh, hiding this from the developer. So it, it uses uh, NPM and, and, uh, and um, Webpack and all you need uh, to, to set up uh, web development, but you don't have to care as a developer. It does all this for you. So tell us a little bit about the framework. I mean, how does it work? What's the main idea behind it? Because we, we, you know, we discussed a little bit who your competitors are. So I think that... Folks that are familiar with React or Vue.js, they probably understand somewhat how this is. Uh, but for someone that is new to, to all this, like, what is it offering them? Um, so um, at first, we, we have a small uh, DSL 
domain-specific language to to just write uh, type-safe HTML. It's uh, quite uh, quite borrowed from Kotlinx HTML, but uh, has, has some more features. Um, uh, and I think the main problem when when it's when it comes to writing web apps, it's always state management. So uh, this is in, in the core of Fritz two, and uh, you have uh, a store in Fritz two where you keep your your model. Um, and the current state of this model is always provided um, by the store as a flow, uh, a flow from Kotlin X Corotines. Um, and you take this flow and um, map this to a representation of HTML elements then, and anchor this representation to the DOM by a mechanism called mount points as a placeholder. And from there, Fritz2 updates exactly those parts of your DOM that are affected by any changes in the model. And since you do this uh, using some functions and, and uh, mainly de declarative, um, Fritz2 always knows the minimal change it has to do to the DOM to reflect your changes uh, on your data model. And so this is one part of the circle of life in Fritz2. And the other way around, Fritz2 provides all the HTML events as Kotlin flows. And so you do basically the same in the other way. You map these events to, to some actions with a certain signature and uh, parameters. For example, um, a delete buttons click event can be mapped to a delete action that requires an ID, for example, as a parameter. And these actions, um, you connect these actions to, to so-called handlers in Fritz2. And these handlers reside inside the stores. Uh, and in these handlers, you code what has to be done when an action is raised. And so the, the cycle is complete. Uh, your handler's actions change the model, and uh, the store triggers again the changes in the view, and all starts again. So the, this is the reactive in building reactive app apps. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and that, this is how we re re um, reach the two-way data binding and precise data binding. Uh, so that are uh, two main parts in Fritz Vi. It's described. I think one of the main differences is to React, for example, is that we don't use uh, something like a virtual DOM, um, since because of this this mapping on the flow, we always exactly know what we have to change to do the minimal change, and we don't need a virtual DOM. We do the changes directly on the DOM, but always as less as possible. Which technically is better for performance, right? We think so. So at least it's not worse. I like that. It's <laughs> modest. We think so. Looking at the code on the on the site, you have examples of rendering. I mean, you've got this render tag, and then you've got these divs, divs, divs. And the, and the first thing that I thought is like, oh, look, it's HTMLX, right? Kotlin HTMLX. Uh, but then you mentioned that you're not using that. You're basically, it's something similar to that, but with more functionality. So it's it's homegrown, right? Yes, it's homegrown, but it's, uh, it's uh, yes, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, the, the base is Kotlin X HTML. So what we had to do is uh, set it up so that the DOM nodes are created on the fly. Um, so we can, can update it uh, in every change in your data model. And this is the main difference to Kotlin X HTML. And the main reason and that I assume you just didn't use that and try and contribute directly to that. Yes. Yeah, okay, makes sense. And you also mentioned that you support web components. 
So how does that work? Um, yes, we, we have a small factory function uh, that you uh, can use and then have to implement a small interface. And uh, then you can quite easily uh, build your own web component. Uh, it registers a common uh, common tag in your in your browser when you do so, and uh, and listens to to the events when you change attributes, etc. And uh, these events are given to you inside the component uh, as flows again, so you can handle this like any other event too. This this is one way, and uh, also you can can of course uh, import uh, using the Kotlin JS features any npm dependency offering a web component, and uh, can use this in our HTML DSL as a as a um, as a common tag, and just use it. And what about things like the visual representation, like the UI? Do you delegating all of that to basically CSS style sheets or? Or whatever the user wants, do you have an equivalent of the strongly typed uh, CSS as well, or not? No, not so far. But we we are going to look into that in some in one of the next versions. Right now, it's it's all CSS. We you can use less or less and um, do do this quite easily over the Webpack mechanisms. And of course, you can you can you can put some style over the style attribute at your components. And we have, of course, some mechanisms to to easily set uh, set dynamic styles depending on some values in your data model, but it's not type safe right now. It's just strings. Do you find that people need to understand how Flow works for them to understand how to use your framework, or is it more hidden under the covers? No, it's not hidden. Um, so it is would definitely be good to to know something about. Uh, Flows works, so you don't have to to deep dive into coroutines and, and scopes and uh, uh, and anything like this. Um, we we try to hide some of the complexity from this, um, but you you have to know what a flow is since you all, always work on them, uh, and um, have to to know that it's a time discrete stream of values, and you can can map them, you can flap map. Then you can merge them and combine them, and what all this means, um, you have to know to at least if you want to build something more complex to to join two events uh, that will be handled uh, by by the same handler, or to split some event. Uh, um, maybe you want to to handle a, a, the key up event differently when the escape key was pressed than the return key. So, so you need some of the basic mechanisms of uh, how to deal with flows. Uh, yeah, I, I can only uh, add some some features we have also in Fritz Y right now implemented, like uh, client-side routing, multi-platform validation, um, also support for REST repositories, like to save uh, data from your your state management into stores or. Um, remote APIs, uh, like using RESTful APIs, um, or we have uh, added uh, for the next release um, some mechanisms for tracking uh, actions and what is going on in your handlers when you change your date. And also we have some um, some implementation of history, uh, so you can uh, reset the, the uh, state of your model if you want. So when you are not happy with your with, with your inputs uh, as a user, you can you can um, click a reset and you can get the last date of uh, of your data um, written to your to your model to your store, and then you 
your view gets uh, updated accordingly. What would someone use as a backend when creating an application like, you know, using Fritz for the front end? Uh, actually, uh, I've created uh, two projects with uh, Fritz Vi and using uh, on on-site uh, Spring because uh, my background is also uh, like I'm using Spring a lot in, J in Java. And I built a, a second project uh, using Kator. And with using Kator, I discovered that I can build my complete project in one single Kotlin uh, multi-platform project. So my front-end uh, sources lay down in the MJS main package and my back-end sources lay down in the JVM package. And then, then I have a complete full stack uh, application in only one project. And um, so this is what I can recommend at the moment to do so. And it's all written uh, in Kotlin, of course. Okay, so that's where I wanted to kind of go because you mentioned multi-platform validation. So how yeah, yeah. that that's what you're referring to, right? If I have, uh, you know, using something like Kator on the back end, you can reuse some of the validation classes that you have on the front end on the back end as well. Yeah, that's totally right. So my validation code uh, relies like my uh, my data models in the common package and gets compiled by the multi-platform project uh, for the JVM and also for the JS, JS side. And um, yeah, I can use the same validation code uh, to validate my, my data uh, on the front-end side and on the back-end side. So I can call the same, same functions and get... Uh, uh, on the front-end side, I get a flow out of it, like we are using flows, uh, like Jens already told. And uh, then I can see my my messages uh, that uh, that were generated by the validation, which tell me what is wrong in my uh, in my model or what is what is good. And the same thing I have for the JVM side, so I get a list out of messages which I then can um, can use in my API. So to validate and maybe to give it back. And yes, um, so I write my validation only once, uh, like when I'm building by my own uh, one full stack application and that's not uh, different teams, what they, what, it, what they do. And yeah, and that's, I think it's a main advantage. So I can, I must uh, must not write uh, some validation in JavaScript and on the other side some validation in Java. I can write it both in Kotlin and, and use it in, in both stages. Right. And the other thing that I wanted to ask was something I think you also mentioned, which was about remote APIs. And and on the website it says that uh, Fritz2 wraps the browser APIs to asynchronously communicate with your backend in a more Kotlin-like way. Can you explain a little bit what that means exactly? So we have two things uh, there right now. We have uh, written a small wrap around the fetch API of the browser. So just to, to make it feel a, lot, a little more Kotlin-like, it's a fluent API. And um, so, so we, we um, wrapped some of the types and, um, and added some, some of the, the features. Uh, it's basically the fetch API and, and it just feels a little bit uh, more Kotlin-like for the user. And so you can use this if you want to to go right from the start. And we all were, we also have a backend for our stores. Um, 
for using a, rep a repository, a REST repository in this case, and that gives you the basic functionality for using a, a REST a REST based backend and uh, all the CRUD operations uh, and some some basic queries and so on that you can can use um, with just one line of code. Okay. So have you have either of you heard of Compose? Heard, of course, and never used it. Uh, same for me, yeah. So I was going to say, where do you see this and do you think that Compose could potentially be used as a, you know, a UI framework for front-end web? I don't think I can, can say much about this. I just have to have a look into it. Yeah. I just yeah. read a few things, but uh, I, I don't don't have, have really tried it or but and I think I saw so, uh, something go by the other day about doing something similar for the web so that's why I was asking in case you'd been looking at it deeper and and had any thoughts around that we will certainly do nice so and this is all obviously open source I say obviously I don't know why I said obviously but I guess that when I see something on github it means it's open source when it's um, publicly accessible uh, what is the license for it? It's MIT. MIT. And what is your uh, approach to it in terms of like, you know, because I think that one important question developers often don't ask and they should ask is the company behind this, what is their motivation? And am I going to, you know, if I want to adopt a technology like this, is it going to be around? So what's your selling point there? So our, our motivation is, uh, as I said, uh, that we want one way for our developers to to um, to uh, to do all our front end work in. We develop our customer um, applications on our own, and many on our uh, point of sales applications, and some of our backend uh, applications. And so we we do quite some UIs and um, have decided uh, in 2019 to do all of this in Kotlin. And Fritz too is, is uh, yes, our, our uh, shot at it, and um, we decided to use Fritz too for all our projects. And we, we started to to talk with some other projects who might be interested uh, or start already started to use Fritz too for their own things. And at uh, our insurance company, um, we just started to to build. Uh, a component uh, library for some richer UI components like tables and and uh, so on uh, that we will use to to build a current uh, UI interface for all our applications and uh, therefore we will definitely use it uh, for the next years um, to do so. Yeah, but our overall goal is uh, that the Fritz Rai. Uh, Fritz too, sorry, um, core stays uh, as, as small as possible. So we don't want to build uh, into Fritz via some richer web components. That is uh, some stuff you must do uh, extra. Maybe we can, um, so in our examples, we, we use uh, some bootstrap and all that stuff, um, but uh, that uh, don't get a part of uh, Fritz too itself. So. We we start we want to stay as uh, small as possible. Only uh, also with our dependencies. So we have only the dependency to the Kotlin X Coro times right now, and hopefully we can stay with uh, stay with it. 
What is the generated code size? I mean, you, you talk so much about the dependencies and and you actually mentioned the nines of, uh, I think it was the code size on the website, but what is the generated output one? Is it is it heavyweight or lightweight? So this depends from where you look at it. Um, as a native developer, uh, yeah. developer quite huge, of course, uh, but we, we made some smaller examples with about 40K right now, and it, it looks like it will uh, get uh, much smaller with uh, Kotlin 1.4 uh, once again. And, and so the more dependencies you, you include, uh, if you if you use Kotlin X serialization, for example, when you talk to your backend, uh, this this gets uh, quite uh, quite heavier. Um, I have no number right now, but it's it's definitely over 100k. Um, so this is the main um, part uh, when when it comes, for example, to to web components. It's not feasible right now to to write uh, many small web components you compose on your and on your site uh, and and always deliver such heavy JavaScripts. But overall, are you happy with the output that Kotlin JS generates? Yes, it's it's uh, already far better than, for example, the Java and Scala transpiler we we tried and tested. And as I said, it, it looks like it gets uh, even better with Kotlin one point four. And uh, so for for us, it's important we we do quite complex web applications that you load once and single page applications uh, that run in your browser from there on. And so it, it, even if you do it for a mobile phone um, for for some some app for our customers, it's it's not too heavy if you have to download one hundred k today. Yeah, and also when you uh, when you use some gzip on your uh, back end and uh, compromise it a bit more, then it get uh, much lower. So you can do a, you can tune it up a little bit, and yeah, and also we hope that with the next generation um, DCE uh, dead code elimination compiler from Kotlin JS, uh, it get much better. Cool. Well, let's hope so. So uh, if people want to learn more, obviously they can go to the website fritz2.dev, is that correct? And yes. I see that you have nice uh, examples there already and uh, actually quite good documentation. Uh, thank you for coming on. It was uh, great chatting with you and I do wish you the best of luck uh, for the project, and especially since you said it works with Ktor. Great, we love Ktor. So. Um, I'm going to look at it myself personally as well and, and play with it a little bit. But it, it's just, you know, I, I was doing uh, literally, I was, I, I'm going to say I was doing front end development before you were born. And it's actually quite accurate, I think. Um, so, uh, but and back in the old days, it was all server side generated and, and, and dumping the data on the front end with rendered HTML. And every time I've tried to get back into front-end development, it just I, it scares me so much. I just don't like all of the whole complexity. But definitely going to take a look at this and see if it's if it's helping reduce some of that. Thank you very much for for having a talk with us. And uh, we are sorry. Uh, have to say uh, say this. Sorry for our English. Um, we are working hard at it. Your English but, uh, is fine. It's oh, just okay. I, my 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 German is very very bad. And when you said your company name, I yeah, say it again. Öffentliche Versicherung Braunschweig. Yeah, you see, that's the problem, right? I mean, it's like in German, you take a lot of words and you just basically join them and saying them in one go. That's correct, right? 
Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah then that's that's my problem. <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Bye bye.